One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories. My name is Mike Canary. I'll be your host during this exploration of music and the power it has to connect us to times and places and people and emotions from our lives. This is our pilot episode. Three Song Stories seeks to extract biography using music. We hope to bring out our guests' personalities and personal histories to mine the connections music has made during their lifetimes, to tap into the way songs bind us to our past and to our memories on an almost cellular level, and to just list us some great music along the way. I'm joined in the studio today by Richard Chinqui. He's a Fort Myers local who's been doing audio for most of his life. While finishing a computer science degree at Florida Gulf Coast University in 2006, he leveraged his music and sound experience to get a job here at WGCU, and he's been working in news radio ever since. He's currently the director of programming here at the station. He's the director of WGCU's daily talk show, Gulf Coast Live, and he's the producer, director, and co-creator of this show. Hey, Richard. Hey, Mike. So, what is the musical background of your childhood? So, um... Maybe stereotypical, I know, but uh, growing up in a, in a at least partially culturally Asian household, when I was pretty young, 10 or 11, my, my dad said, you're going to learn an instrument, pick one. And I, I panicked because I had never thought about it and I, I blurted out like flute. And so they, they got me flute lessons and I did that for a summer. And then I, I went off to middle school and I played flute for like two years. And then my dad came to me a second time and he was like, not good enough. You need another instrument. So you're going to get piano lessons too. So I put the flute away and did piano for several years, like, like through high school. And along the way, I, uh, I picked up electric guitar. I was kind of in the, um, I was in a guest room closet, like looking for, I don't know, toys or something. And I found a guitar case and neither of my parents play any musical instruments really to, to any effect. And so I found this guitar and I'm like, who's is this? So I, you know, I came out, who's guitar? Who plays guitar? I, nobody plays guitar. And my, my uncle uh, had bought it for his daughter and my, my cousin and she played for a couple of years, got bored. He gave it to my dad and then we had moved a few times. So it never, it never got to me. And then just got kind of buried in the moves. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm 14 at this time. I'm like, guitar. Like, I'm going to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've it's had, not a flute. It's not a flute. So, uh, so I decided to figure that out. And fortunately, you know, by then I'd been playing piano for a couple of years and I taught myself. I had a couple of friends who were really, really accomplished guitarists even by then. And so... I, every time I came up in like a roadblock, I would just go to them and go, "Hey, how do I how do I do this thing?" So, so making music was a part of your life from the beginning. What was the music being listened to around the house or in the car? Like, what was your family's musical yeah. stylings? So, um, very young, pretty much pretty much reggae. Um, I didn't really listen to a lot of music on my own. So, if there was music going on in the house, it was my mom or dad putting something on. And so, we're, we're Chinese Jamaican. And that means that means reggae a lot, um, and so that was that. And then when I was when I was maybe seven or eight, we moved to Georgia, and uh, in in Georgia at that time where we lived, at least on the radio, it was either country or oldies, 
and we didn't have a lot of inroads into country. <laughs> so, so we listened to a lot of oldies. So growing up, I heard a, a lot of kind of uh, 50s and mid-60s music. Um, I, was a, I listened to a lot of like the Animals hmm. and, um, and the Beatles, uh, at least their poppier stuff back then um, when, I was, when I was growing up. So, so I had this kind of weird experience compared to a lot of my friends because they, they talked about other bands and I was like, I have no idea who that is, but let me tell you about the Mamas and the Papa. <laughs> you know? So what was the first music you can remember moving you? Um, moving me, I would say that. <laughs> so the first, the first one that I remember, it can't be, it can't be the earliest one, but the first one, the one that comes like springs to mind immediately, yeah, yeah. is um, not far off this time. I'm maybe maybe a year or two into guitar, just you know, getting stretching my legs on it, and uh, I I hear on the radio this band or orchestra really playing. A medley version, metal-y version of the, what we call the Carol of the Bells, and the song ends, and I hear the announcer, you know, like that was Christmas Eve in Sarajevo, and I was like, I, I wrote it down, you know, the the internet was around, <laughs> so I wrote it down, and when I got home, I I googled it really fast, and it was the first time I heard Trans Siberian Orchestra, which is for me now um, a huge deal. I went. I immediately went to the store and I bought that. Christ, it was Christmas time. I bought that album, um, and uh, some, I, something about it made me like. I, I heard all of these instruments at the same time, and uh, I really started like paying more attention in the car. And I, you know, I started listening to my own music and recording uh, recording things on my Walkman uh, off of the radio transmission. You know, stuff like that. What was the first music you owned yourself that was your music? I think the first the first music that I bought is going to be probably my first song. Um, the the What people call the Black Album. It's Metallica's album of the same name. Um, and I had a friend who let me borrow it. I heard a couple tracks and I was like, OK, I want this. And I went and got it. And uh, for, for a, whatever, 14 or 15-year-old uh, who's just – learning to play guitar and playing a lot because I had, frankly, a lot of free time then. Uh, it was it was pretty, pretty good <laughs> to hear. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and listen to that here in a little bit. But first, just tell me you know, a little bit more about where it takes you back to because obviously if it was the first music you owned and it's the first track that you've pulled out for today, yeah. um, there's some deep roots. So um, – so this song actually has two stories, uh, which is why I picked it. Uh, the first is way back then. Uh, you know, I'm I'm 14 or 15, I was 15 by then, and I was playing a lot of songs that I heard on the radio or playing with my friends. You know, we had kind of a a good garage band where we didn't play anything, just played around, and I just really something something about the like. I guess how aggressive and really strong the all of the all of the elements of it are like really driving drums, really like punchy, thrashy guitar stuff. Um, two solos every song, you know. Um, James Hetfield's voice is is a thing like unto itself. So you know, I, I I had no reference for that. You know, my my parents never listened to something even approaching that heavy. So when I heard it, I was like, "What is this?" And then I was like, "Can I? I have a guitar. Can I? Can I do that? Like, can I? Can a person just do that? Or do you need like a bunch of equipment?" 
and I learned that no, you don't need you know if if you practice, you can you can get close at least. Um, so that's one. The other place the song takes me, uh, it is the song that I was playing on a stage the moment that my wife says that she like fell for me. <laughs> ah. um, rock and roll guy, rock and babe. Yeah, yeah, so that's the joke we tell people is that like guitar, electric guitar, right? It didn't get me, didn't get me really a lot of girlfriends, but it got me like one really good wife. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that story is. Um, I used I, I for a long time I played uh, electric guitar for Next Level Church here in town, and um, I used to go to rehearsals. And when I started dating Chrissy, she like she would come along. I was like, "Come watch me play," you know. And so she came along, and I'm standing there on the stage. And like every electric guitarist alive ever, when you're not practicing a song and you're on a stage, you still play. like you just I'm bored. I'm gonna play. And so I just started playing it. It's I had I had played this song at that point for like a decade for you know yeah almost uh, a decade. And so it's a really good go-to when you're bored. And so I just started playing it. And I looked down you know into the front row where she's waiting, and I could see that she's like suddenly incredibly attentive. <laughs> and and then later she was just like that was really cool. So all right, let's hear it then. This is Enter Sandman by Metallica. Richard Chinqui's first song on this first pilot episode of Three Song Stories. That was Enter Sandman by Metallica. It's Richard Chinqui's first song on Three Song Stories. You ever seen Metallica live? Uh, last year was the first time I finally got to go see them in Miami. Um, we uh, at the beginning of the year last year in 2017, my wife saw that they were they were coming, and she was like. They're going to be in Miami. Do you want to go? And I was like, just buy them. Just buy the tickets. I don't, you know, they're they're getting longer in the tooth. Uh, and I don't know, you know, they could stop if they want. So we went and it was it was great. It was her first concert ever. Like, like full of stop, any kind? Full stop. Her first concert. She peaked. Wow, that's like full circle. It's all downhill yeah. from here. Yeah. It was, it was like a <laughs> seven-year-old in the concert and and uh, one of the acts before them was like, is that your? Is this your first rock show, little man? And he's like, yeah. And they go, well, you peaked early, kid. <laughs> <laughs> OK. So um, uh, in, in conceptualizing this show, um, uh, we've come up with this logo that riffs on the idea of a mixtape. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me very much that the mixtape is something that sort of taps into what we're trying to tap into with this show, and that is the power of music to connect you to your past. So my question to you is, is do you remember for whom? You created your first mixtape and or mix CD, whichever it was at the time. Um, myself? No, uh, I mean, I mean, gifting <laughs> yeah, it to oh, someone, it, you know, in that way that you else. would gift it to someone, hoping that they would yeah. maybe learn more about you because yeah. how cool your music was. Um, I, yeah, I definitely would have made a a cassette for a girl that I dated around that time. I was like 15 and I basically spent – if I wasn't playing something, I was you know, letting my radio play and just recording like hours of music and they're just like writing down – you know, I, at the, when every song started, I would just write down like here's the song, here's the song, here's the song and then go back and edit out the ones that I, that I didn't need. And so uh, I didn't – I remember I didn't set up a – a station to to make a tape uh, for for this person, but I I made one 
later I had a great tape and I was like, oh, she'll love this. And so, you know, that was, that was probably the first time I did that. I, I don't think I ever, that might be the only time I've, I've did one like that. Um, we have a tradition, um, uh, my wife and I are big anime fans. We have a tradition when we go on road trips that will make kind of like a, a mix CD for the trip. Uh, and we, that started when we started going to like conventions together. But now we just do it when, you know, if we're going on a road trip to see family or something. So that's most of my mixtape, in quotes, mixtape experience. Do you remember any of the songs that would have been on that first mixtape? That first one? Like, yeah. Where were you at then? Um, I was I was still, uh, I was in... I mean in your head. Oh, in my head. Not geographically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean musically. Um, same, kind of the same place. Uh, that song really kind of like encapsulates where I was, you know, just like I was, I was 15, young man, a lot of free time. Not a lot of outlets for aggression, <laughs> so this rock guitar thing, you know, uh, in a in a in the suburbs, you know. So, um, it would have been um, definitely Nirvana, um, the big ones, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and Green Day's Brain Stew, um, a Prodigy, a little bit. Uh, I I was I'm also because I'm like a, a product of like the mid to early '90s. I listened to a lot of punk rock, and I actually really love that genre. Even now, when it, like everybody likes it, ironically, I I still listen to like a lot of Blink One Eighty Two or a lot of um, like older Green Day. So those kinds of bands uh, that were big. If you if you turned on a '90s rock station. Most of their stuff would have been on those tapes, and again, I you know I wasn't I wasn't discriminate on on what I recorded. Only later, if I thought like it fit. So you kind of relied on you know serendipity to create the list for you because you know you weren't saying this is the songs I want go find them. You were saying these are the songs I've got. Put them in order. Yeah, you know what? Uh, there's always I'm that guy. Like there's always something special to me about hearing a song when it's on the radio. Um, there, I have you know, thousand songs on my phone and I can be driving home and hear one that's on my phone and I'll get home and I'll sit and I'll wait for it to finish because I want to hear the end of the song, even though I could, I can just go inside and listen to it anyway. Uh, probably a better, like a higher fidelity version, but like there's something about it being on the air. So yeah, I definitely liked to, to have the radio give it to me. Yeah. Well, there's something about the radio that makes it um, a collective experience whether you realize it or not because everyone on that channel at that time are listening to it with you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that was that was part of it I think. All right. So time for song number two. What do you got? Song number two is going to be uh, – it's a song called uh, Lon Lon Ranch uh, or Eponia's song um, and it's it comes from uh, – a video game. Not just a video game. The video game. It comes from uh, The Legend of Zelda 64, <laughs> which also kind of harkens from that era. But um, like the other, like Enter Sandman, it has a couple of stories. It's it's actually kind of followed me for a while. And this is uh, the orchestral version. So this isn't what you would have heard during the playing of the video game. This is a reinterpretation of it. Yeah, this is not like a lo-fi. Yeah, this isn't beep, boop, boop. No. <laughs> you said beep, boop, boop. You did. Um, okay, let's hear it. This is Lon Lon Ranch. It's the orchestral version. You're listening to Three Song Stories. It's biography through music here on WGCU. Mm-hmm. 
was the orchestral version of Lon Lon Ranch from The Legend of Zelda. It's my guest today, Richard Chinqui's second song choice here on Three Song Stories. So where does that one take you? Because it looked like it took you a long way. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm a big video game guy. I play, I've played my, like, my whole life and I've always loved the stories that, that games can, can deliver you to or deliver to you, you both ways, really. And sometimes the music is really, really strong. But the reason that that song took me a long way, like you just said, is the day that my daughter was born, the first night that, you know, that Chrissy was sleeping and I had I had her. Like my, the first time I got to hold her really for more than a minute, um, she was fidgety and crying like a newborn is and – that is the first song that I ever kind of sang, hummed to her, and it worked. <laughs> and I, I didn't have a plan. Like I just was holding her, and I was just like, "Let me hum this song that I remember from 15 years ago." And I did my best to remember what it sounded like. And she fell asleep, and I just sat there for I think three hours, you know, in in, in a dark hospital room. Uh, and it, it's still her lullaby. She's five now. And if she ever, if she ever has a, you know, a bad dream and comes into our room looking for me to take her back in, into her bed, that's what she said. She's hum, hum. And she falls immediately. It's, it's almost like a spell. Like I hum it, she passes out. So, um, it is, it is. A song that has been with me since early adolescence, and now again, like I'm, I'm still living with it. How did that song come to your mind at that point? <laughs> um, I just, I, you know, it was very early in the morning, and none of us had slept, and I was trying to, I was trying to think of something that had no words. So that I wouldn't wake Chrissy up with the sound of it, I guess. And I just – it's the first thing I thought to hum. Uh, it's like – I don't know. Something about you heard it. The melody is um, is really strong. Like it repeats throughout. It's also soothing. It's very soothing. It sounds almost like a lullaby. Um, so it's it just – it popped up and I, I started humming and I, and I felt her kind of start to slack in my arms and – uh, just it's it's the go-to. She's she's probably heard that song. If if I add it up all the time, if I'm that song, I could probably fill a few CDs worth of like. Does she know its origin? She knows the name. She hasn't heard she's, the original. She hasn't played Zelda. She has not played Zelda yet. She has. Is that going to blow her mind? Probably when she hears it in the game. She's heard um, that. Like she's heard versions on YouTube. I've played it before, and she's like, "That's my song." Mm -hmm. So I get to her. It's her song, I guess. Um, but uh, but no, she hasn't played. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. Um, it's part of the reason I picked it is because also like that. That's a pretty big facet of my my life is games and gaming, and. Um, it's a really strong theme in – I mean it's Zelda. It's it's an icon. Perhaps a first dance at a wedding someday? Um, Don't want to blow your mind. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. It's – I 
<laughs> it might be a little cheesy for me for that, but you know what? If she likes it enough, then I'll dance to whatever she picks. So, where are you at musically today? Like, uh, what's a new band that you've discovered most recently that you might want to recommend to people? I come upon new music really slowly and rarely. Um, if I was being uh, if I was being pretentious about it, I would say that I curate my collection. But really, it's just I'm I'm curmudgeonly, and I like the songs that I like. So, uh, you know, you can only listen to so much. And so, if I know I like songs, I, I generally rotate through those. Um, but I will say that it wasn't long ago that I discovered Volbeat, which is a kind of a punk rock into metal kind of band, and um, I just really like I really like the sound. It makes me it makes me think of kind of that same era. And what's the name again? Volbeat. How do you spell that? Uh, don't quote me on this. I think it's V O L B E A T. Where are they from? Uh, no idea. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not good at I'm not good at that. Uh, I I don't know the names of the band members of most bands um, that I listen. To. I, I mean, I really I learned their discography. Like I learn the songs, but I don't I don't really pay attention to the people inside of of the group as peep as like individual musicians. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure where they hail from. Uh, they play like kind of higher energy, punchier rock songs that harkens back to the '90s punk era. All right. Well, it is time for your last song. What do you got? So my last song is by a band called The Seatbelts, uh, but it's composed by Yoko Kano, who is this Japanese composer uh, slash uh, she she plays piano, um, and she's just. She's a genius. She's it's it's crazy the different kinds of music she does very very well, uh, but what she really excels at is kind of jazzy standards. Um, and so, uh, this song is the theme from a very famous and popular anime called Cowboy Bebop. And if you if you listen to jazz on WGCU, it is sometimes used as filler music to fill breaks. Um, it is it is one of my favorite songs of all time. Full stop. <laughs> all right, let's hear it. This is Tank by the band The Seatbelts from the show Cowboy Bebop. You're listening to Three Song Stories. <laughs> Smoking. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> that was Tank by The Seatbelts from the show Cowboy Bebop. It's Richard Chinqui's third song choice on Three Song Stories. So where's that one take you? So that takes me to um, kind of the later part of college here. Um, it's not the first time I heard it, but it was the first time I started listening to like that song from that show like by itself. Like it wasn't part of a show and obviously that was like a three-minute version. That's not you know the theme – just the little cut version for the, for the show. That is a, a thing unto itself and that's when I started like – I picked that song because it is I, – I, I always say it's pure music. Like it's just – music it's raw there's so much going on it's all really balanced but like it sounds so kind of tight and um and i realized after having kind of spent up to then my my experience with music was really narrow it was all rock and kind of punky and maybe a little bit of like techno because 90s you know <laughs> but um but uh, this i was just like whoa what is this and I had always associated with with a show, um, 
and instead I started to listen to it on its own. And for the record, the the soundtrack to the show has everything from like like light French pop music to some kind of bluesy riffs. Uh, there's like straight up piano and organ music, and then and then jazz hits like that. So that song was, I think, the beginning for me of of branching and just listening to kind of everything I could get my hands on. Um, really becoming like just kind of having having a music collection that is really hard to peg um every time every time somebody sees like all of the names in my music folder they're just like what what do you what i don't know how to get music for you because i don't know what you listen to you listen to everything and all these crazy um you know japanese pop to whatever um metallica well yeah to jump i guess from metallica to a video game track to a jazz from japan like there's there's a lot of um, there are a lot of times that I'll hear a song now that I'll stumble upon become fixated with like just I like uh, I will go home and I will learn to play it on the piano just to get the melody in my head I'll listen to it for like three days over and over and over and over again and um, and I'll think about this song because of that like just just something sometimes things just jump out and. That that era of my life when I was like really consuming just everything I could hear, uh, that this song definitely like pulls me straight to it. Um, yeah. So you've chosen two songs for of your three songs today um, that you found through other media. Yeah. Uh, which probably won't be that likely as we proceed further into the world with this show Pro- and our guests. Probably not. Can you reflect on that and what that might say about you and and who you are? Sure. Um yeah, I think that because I because I grew up not listening to a lot of like music that was mine or um having, you know, there was never like that time where, you know, my parents were like, "Sit down, we're going to play some music and you can hear like this is what I liked," you know? Um I didn't really have a a strong connection to music, despite being a musician, you know, since since before I was a teenager, um, and so I think I think just because of that, a lot of the music that I stumbled upon had to be something that one had to, it had to be something that that came to me, like you said, through a different avenue, through a different kind of media um, that I was already consuming, or B, or I guess maybe both. And it also had to be uh, kind of a special thing. It had to be, like grab my attention. Um, so, so it probably had to be different. Uh, that kind of fixation that I talked about, I think that um, it only happens when I hear something and it kind of like – it makes me stop thinking about whatever other thing I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably – Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, this is really fun and um, it was very, very hard to pick three songs to kind of move through my life and kind of my like identity as a person, like songs that I think represent me or make me think about parts of my life because now, now that I have kind of grown into an identity that is deeply music and audio-based um, – I had to whittle down a ten-song list because I kept, I kept, I wrote down three when we first talked about this show. I wrote down three weeks ago, and 
only one of those were the three that man, that made it. Only one of those made it, and the song blossomed up to ten, and I had to start slashing songs. What was the last song you slashed? What was the on deck song? The on deck song was um, a song called <laughs> "Old City Bar." By what video game was it from? No, it's it's back to the, but it's back around to the the question you asked about um, my first like what grabbed me. It's a song off of that same Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas album and unlike all of their other, you know, three guitars turned up to 11 with an orchestra playing behind um, and, and like a big uh, operatic singer like just killing it with money no- money notes high and low. It It's a jazzy acoustic song about a bar where somebody wanders in at night uh, on Christmas Eve – and they don't have money to go home and the strangers in the bar who are kind of like – it's it's like a seedy thing. They they take up a collection and the bartender sends the kid out into the street to call for a cab to go to the airport to go home because you should be, you should be where you want to be at Christmas. And the per, the, this person in the song who, who this is happening to realizes that when they go to leave, like, well, if you're supposed to be where you want to be for Christmas or if, you, if you're supposed to be home, why are all these people at the bar? And then they realize – it dawns on them like that's that's home. Like this is the place where they can be tonight and then they go home. And I was like – I think I was – again, I would have been a, a middle teenager when I when I got a hold of that. And it just destroyed me. Like just it – I mean I was driving home in the car and I'm like weeping because it just it's, – it's a really romantic thought and I never was able to really build a barrier between me and, and that effect. Uh, if I listen to that song, it gets me – reliably it will get me uh, either to tear up or to, to cry and um, that's saying something. That's a big deal and you know you had asked about – songs that take you to a place, that takes me every time just like to the definitive kind of Christmas spirit that we that we talk about. You know, like it's – it's yeah, it, it is Christmas in a song to me, <laughs> I guess if you want. Um, and uh, and the fact that I, I have no resistance to it at all, it uh, is is a big deal. But um, it it got it got axed. <laughs> a lot of a lot of really good songs like that. Um, Three's a short list. Three's a short list, man. All right. Well, that is the end of the pilot episode. I want to thank my guest, Richard Chenqui, as the director of programming here at WGCU. He's also the director of WGCU's daily talk show, Gulf Coast Live, and he's the producer, director, and co-creator of our show. Richard, thank you for being my guinea pig. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. This is going to be fun. Three Song Stories is created in the studios of WGCU Public Radio in Fort Myers. The show is produced, directed, and co-created by Richard Chinqui. Our online content producers are Tara Callaghan and Anna Bejarano. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. We're going to end each show with a song choice by me or whoever is hosting that week's show, because eventually we're going to get some other folks in the host chair. So for my first choice, I'm going to pick a song that is off of the 1993 album Bargainville by the Canadian band Moxie Fruvis. It's not necessarily my favorite song of theirs, but it is the first song of theirs that I ever heard. 
the first one that ever hit my ears. It was 1993. I was living in Gainesville with my girlfriend, Katina. She was going to University of Florida. I was attending Santa Fe Community College as a transient student from Edison Community College. But that's an entirely different story. I was also the book manager of a store called Media Play. It was a big superstore that had a book, a music, and a video department. One of the perks of being manager was that I could take home advanced promo copies of albums that were sent to the music manager to get his attention. One day I sat down with a stack of about 20 discs in my apartment and I worked my way through them. None even remotely caught my ear, but then I put on this strange-looking disc that had hand-drawn graphics on it called Bargainville. I wasn't entirely sure at first, but the third song or so got me hooked and I was pretty much listening to nothing else for, well, years. I completely missed grunge throughout the 90s because of these wacky harmonic Canadians known as Moxie Fruvis. This is River Valley. It's the first track off their debut album, Bargainville. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening.